Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I am pleased to be here. I don't come here representing Frederick County government. This is just Michael Hughes. Uh, so if I share things, I'm not representing uh, the county executive whose office I work in, but just simply Michael Hughes, pleased to be with you today. Uh, and thank you, uh, Reverend Greg, for inviting me and the congregation for having me here today. Uh, and I want to thank you for being here as well. And I know that sounds a little crazy for thanking someone to come for coming to their own church, but let me put it this way. Um, you know, I grew up going to church, and my mother would drive me and my sister to church on Sundays. You know, we would go to, and every Sunday, I mean, literally every Sunday, we would get about halfway there. It's about a half-hour drive. We'd get about halfway there, and my mother would remember, or couldn't remember, if she turned the greens off. Because, you know, Sunday dinner was a big deal. And every Sunday, literally, we would get to about the same place, and she's like, I don't remember if I turned the greens off. So she would either have to go back, you know, my father, he traveled a lot, so he wasn't always there, uh, go back home and turn the greens off or call Bobby to tell him to turn the greens off. And so, you know, it happened literally every Sunday that we'd have to go back home and turn the greens off. And usually they were already off, but she could never remember. Now I was six or eight years old, you would think that even I would have realized, okay, before we leave the house, well, let's check the greens. But we didn't do that. You know, it's just one of those things that we had to always go back. And so uh, along that line, uh, you know, we talk about coming to talk about racial reconciliation and the whole idea of race is scary and makes some people turn around and go back home like my mother did. So I'm glad that you guys, when you saw that we were going to be talking about racial reconciliation, you, you didn't think about the greens being on. You came on anyway. <laughs> so thank you for being here today. Uh, it is a, um, uh, uh, a scary topic for a lot of people. Uh, I've seen folks just shut down. I've seen folks cry. I've seen people literally run out of the room. I've seen it all. Because, you know, it just, it's one of those things that um, we don't talk about much in our society. Matter of fact, uh, it's kind of like, you know, when I was growing up, and I guess maybe, well, not so much today, but uh, you don't talk about in public what religion and politics. People used to say that, right? Now they talk about politics. But race, you don't even talk about that you don't talk about that you don't talk about race. You know, it's like you're supposed to just know that you don't bring that subject up and talk about that. It, it is scary for a lot of folks because, you know, we don't do much of it. Uh, but I can promise you, I feel with confidence that uh, when we leave here today that uh, we won't be any worse off at least, uh, for sure. So uh, it's an important subject, and I know that you care about it. I, I speak uh, jokingly about it, but I take it seriously, and I know you do as well. Uh, it's, it's, it's important to our hearts. We, we know that uh, things are not the way they should be. Um, but you know, I, 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 I spoke of racial reconciliation, but probably the reality is, it's probably more a matter of racial reckoning. Because reconciliation carries with it the idea of reconnecting things that were together once. And I don't think we ever really were together, right? So really, we have racial reckoning that needs to occur in our society today. You know, so we search for answers. We want understandings. We want things we can commit ourselves to. And I had an experience once. Um, I was in my late 20s, living in Indiana, and I started going to this church and uh, didn't know this minister. I'd only been going for a few weeks, I believe, at this point. And uh, one day he stood up. Uh, it was a, he was teaching some kind of class, I think it was. And he held the Bible up. He said, you know what? I have tried this thing. I have tested this thing, and I believe in this thing. And I said to myself, that's what I've been looking for, something that I can really find answers to life about, and I can maybe, you know, find something I can really believe in. And that's what the Bible has really has been for me. 
Um, and the thing about it is, you know, I, I think we're all on kind of a racial journey. You know, it's a, and it's a journey, you know. I don't know if we ever really arrived there because it's such a complex issue and we're com complicated people ourselves internally and society's all kind of weird about race and things. So, you know, I think we're all on this journey, it seems. And, uh, you know, we're at different places and the journey's never straight, I don't think. I know I've had my share of U-turns where I thought I had it figured out and then I'll come up on something and I'm like, wait, I gotta back up now, hold on, that, that doesn't work anymore, that doesn't make sense, and I don't understand that right now. You know, so we're on these journeys, but part of my racial journey that really um, was one of my U-turns, I guess you'd call it, was um, I was uh, living in Philadelphia at the time, I was driving to work, and uh, 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 I was about to pull up into the parking lot at that point, and I was flipping the radio dial, still like, uh, landed on NPR, uh, it was WHYY, that's the public radio station in Philly, and uh, there was these recordings that were playing. You could tell they were old, crackly, you could have to turn it up loud and kind of get a little closer to the speaker to hear it as best you could. And so I'm pulling into the parking lot at this point, and I started to realize what I was listening to was voice recordings of former slaves. That's what I said. Oh my goodness. For real. First, it didn't, you know, hold on, technology, hold on, they didn't have the ability. That, that, that doesn't make it. It's true. These people, now they were old at this point. You know, some were, uh, one guy said he was 101 years old, and his name was Fountain Hughes, I remember. And I was hoping that he was kidding me, and I found out he wasn't. But uh, so these recordings of these people that were talking about when they were enslaved. And so I really, 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 really got interested. Because, you know, I've been reading this book called The Bible pretty much all my life. And I could quote a lot of it, and I knew what it said, but you know, it didn't mean much to me. <laughs> it just wasn't that significant, you know? And then I ran up on my ancestors, you know, folks that, and this is, these are the horrors. This is, I'm talking about being twisted. This shows you how I was twisted. I'm still a little twisted, but there's one of my twists at that time. Uh, I remember being um, um, ashamed of having come from folks that looked like that. I've seen photographs of these enslaved people. You know, the hair is all matted and the teeth are missing and the body's all scarred up and they, they were illiterate and all those things. And I didn't want to come from them. I, I, I was ashamed of that. I was ashamed of my own people. That's how screwed up the world had made me and I had made myself. You know, but I heard those recordings and I started doing some research. And if you want to listen to yourself, I'll go to the Library of Congress and type in, you know, slave recordings, Library of Congress, and you'll, you can listen to some of these on your own. And uh, so I began investigating. And one of the things that really hit me was their faith. Oh my goodness. Is that if there ever was anything by a group of people that was real Christianity in this country, if there ever was, it was those folks. Because all they had was, they had nothing the world had to offer. You know, uh, they might get two pairs of clothes the whole year, just enough food to survive on. You know, you can't even own your own children. Someone could sell your children off on you. Someone could take your daughter and do horrible things. Uh, matter of fact, one of those recordings that it wasn't on the radio that day, but I was able to find other recordings. One lady was telling a story about, um, she was old, you know, you could, but, but you could hear clearly what she was saying. She said, you know, she mentioned this other uh, female slave that was in the field picking cotton one day uh, with her husband. And this woman was eight months pregnant in the middle of the summer in the South picking cotton. So you can't imagine that. And then she accidentally, brace off one of the stalks and the overseer sees her and comes and starts threatening to whip her. 
And her husband's right there with her, and she got so nervous about it, she broke another one. And overseers start whipping her. And this man, whose wife is eight months pregnant, can't defend his own wife. I mean, rob you of your dignity, you know? And so, but these folks held on for something more. They believed that there was something more. That was faith. That was hope beyond hope. There was no reason to think that things would ever change for these people. I mean, there was no reason to think. They couldn't, like, well, you know, it's going to be a civil war one day, and then, you know, the North and the South, and it's going to last about four years. And no, there was no reason to believe that anything like that would ever happen. They should have been hopeless. I mean, there was no reason for them to have faith in anything. But these people had faith. Now, that's faith. And I don't think we've seen that anywhere else in our American society other than that period of time with those group of people. And so I began to be proud of coming from folks that have faith like that and trying to build my faith the same way. You know, so I'll share with you today uh, some things that I believe from a spiritual perspective that will help us to uh, establish this racial reckoning that I talked about. You know, one of the things is that um, a belief that there is a God that cares about humankind, that there's got to be something beyond our best of our ability to deal with this. There's got to be somebody. And if it's not, I can't have any hope if that's not true. So I really, for myself, rest greatly upon what I consider that to be a reality. Someone that actually is there. Not only that, but according to this book that I believe in, that he made you and me in his image. Now, the, the Bible never explains what that means. That's interesting. It never tells you what it means. But clearly, one of the things that's evident is that he intentionally built a bond between you and him when he made you in his image, between me and him when he made... That's a bond that he intentionally attached himself to us in a permanent way. In other words, he understands my experience. I, he cares, he or she cares about me. I matter to this God that is in heaven. And you know, and, and I need that because the world is tough. I need somebody that I know, because my mother, she's, she's still probably, greens are probably all right now, right? <laughs> in Kentucky, she, she, she's good people, and she loves people. One day she's gonna be gone, and likely before I die. And when she's, and my wife, my wife loves me too, but you let me mess up <laughs> enough times and you know, she will go on her way and I couldn't blame her if I was to do some of those things. So my mother's the only person on this earth that's gonna love me no matter what, right? So when she's gone, I need somebody to know that they love me. And that is this God in heaven. So I know that matters to me. And I believe that should matter to us and inspire us and encourage us in this tough and this difficult world that we live in. And not only is he there, he or she is there, but this God intercedes. Doesn't just wind the world up and let it go and see what happens, but intercedes and gets involved and somehow or another you can pray and, you know, and, and this God will move on your behalf and do mysterious things and sometimes you just plain don't need a miracle and you, you got to hope that there is a God. And I do believe there is a God. You know, and the thing about it is something else that that Bible gives me that is important to me. Um, there was a book that I read in seminary. It was, uh, I think it was by Cornelius Plantica, however you pronounce his name. It was, it was titled, Not the Way It's Supposed to Be. And it's a really good book, I remember that. But in particular, that concept, not the way it's supposed to be. I am grateful that there's a story. We call it, you know, the Garden of Eden or whatever you want to call it, that existence, you know, that I believe was actually true. Uh, and uh, 
that things were different. Not the way it's supposed They were the way it was supposed to be. There is, oh, this is not okay. It's happened so much it would normalize it. Racism, we normalize it, we, 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 we operationalize it. You know, we've made it just as natural as it can be. And it's just kind of like, you get used to it. Imagine, I mean, if you think about during the Jim Crow days, What's the, what's the problem with you having to go to this school? What's the problem with you can't sit over here? What's the problem? What, it's just natural. It's normal. It, we really had normalized things. And it still is kind of normal for us sometimes. You know, one of the things me and my wife love to do, we love to watch movies together. And I don't know if you guys watch any of these uh, uh, movies that are made in Nigeria. You know, Nollywood, they call it Nigerian movies. Worst movies in the world. They're awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, my goodness. But one of the things I like about watching those movies is that I get to watch a society where there is no racism. Because, and, and, and it, literally, I've been watching them for maybe, I don't know, maybe a year or something. And that's what, it hit me one day. One of the things that I like, as bad as the movies are, one of the things that I liked about watching those movies is, wow, you get up out of the bed, you go down the street, you go to the store, and nobody accuses you of something. Nobody's following you around. I mean, these things that I'm telling you that happened to me. You know, when my wife's been in the restaurant, I get up to go to the restroom, and, you know, we ordered, you know, one day we was kind of celebrating, so we ordered quite a bit of food that day. We ordered quite a bit of food that day. And uh, I'm going to the restroom, and I hear my waiter tell another waiter, watch him. I know they're going to run out without pain. You know, stuff like that. You know, I, you know, I'm carrying a bag into the grocery store, like a little messenger bag I carry with me going to the grocery store. And this customer, he's just like I am getting out of his car going, he said, what are you having in your bag? I'm like, I'm under observation here. I'm under your surveillance. You know, but in Nigeria, I could live and I could be me without carrying the burdens of my race and being a credit to my race. Just plain old be me. And that's what would be normal. But this instead has become my normal or our normal. You know, and so I'm grateful that there's a story in the Bible that says things can be different. There is, a, there was, and there will once again be a paradise. Well, this will not be forever. That encourages my heart to consider that. Because, you know, it's easy to give up. Because we try hard. I mean, we, sometimes we don't try as hard. But for the most part, we try hard to get rid of racism. We work hard. People have died, I mean, of all races, suffered, you know, to try to deal with this. And yet, still, here we are. My goodness. That's why I'm relying upon somebody up there being bigger than all of this that can help us to get through and deal with this. You know, but it's interesting when you read that Genesis story about the Garden of Eden and all that stuff in creation, I find it interesting. It says, you know, so six days, God creates this, creates that, and no, it says it's on the seventh day, God rested. You know, at first it's like, well, I guess he's tired. That's a whole lot of creative, right? But I don't think that that's really what it was. I think what he's getting at is that everything was right. Everything was the way it was supposed to be. Because at first it talks about in Genesis 1, 1, it was kind of like it was chaos in the cosmos kind of thing, you know, without form and void and stuff like that. But by the sixth day when everything was done, he said, it's very good. And he said, God rested. He could rest because everything was the way it's supposed to be. But it's interesting when you jump over a couple of thousand years later when Jesus is talking, he says, when he heals this blind guy, he said, uh, God is at work. Well, I thought God was resting. He was until we messed everything up. Now God had to go back to work and fix things again. So God is at work in our lives, and I'm encouraged by that. God is a part of this world today. And I believe that Jesus was God the Son, and he came. And so not only was it observation, 
But God has come to be a part of things today. And I think that, I call it kind of like a reset in some sense, like when Jesus came. There's different resets that God seems to have, like the, the story of the flood, the kind of reset, let's start over again kind of thing. And we've had our own resets in this country. The Civil War, right? I mean, slavery ends. Okay, it's reset. We can get it right now. No, here we go. Back segregation, Jim Crow, all those things. We had, you know, Martin Luther King, the prophetic voice, you know, reset. No, legislative laws, 1964, 65, 68, legislation, you know, for equal rights. Reset. No. Black president, reset. No. Just we can't seem to get it right, these resets. You know, but God keeps giving us an opportunity to do this. But it's going to take the power, I think, that's beyond us. As much as good intentions as we have and desires that we have, it's going to take more than what we're able to do on our own. I think it's going to take somebody, something out there that's bigger than us. And I'm grateful that that God is involved in this world, in my opinion. Now, one of the things he's asking us to do, though, I mean, it's not like God's just going to show up and blase, blase. He's asking us to get involved in some particular ways. One is, we've talked about it here already today, and I love the beautiful music and the songs that were sang earlier, you know, about freedom. You know, these things are in our hearts. You know, we know freedom is right and freedom is good, and we want to pursue those things. You know, but God also tells us, not just for ourselves, but to love our neighbors. And I used to think I loved everybody. Those are those people that, you know, I thought, you know, I, I love everybody. I, rem I remember believing that. Then what I realized, I maybe don't hate anybody. That's not the same thing as loving everybody. You know, that's a difference. Then I realized I probably do hate a couple people too. I'm working on that, you know. But love everybody, that's some big stuff. Because not everybody's so lovable. You catch me on the wrong day and you're going to have a hard time loving me. I know it can be difficult to love everybody. And what's interesting is that um, and, and one of John's, one of Jesus' disciples, you know, John, he, he wrote a couple of books. And, and, and one of the books that he wrote that's in the New Testament, he said, you know, folk going around talking about how they love God. And they only love their neighbor. How can you claim you love God you haven't even seen and you only love your neighbor? To love your neighbor is to love God. Because remember, that's supposed to be the image of God. So when you love that person that bears his image, that's an opportunity to demonstrate your love for God as well. And the Bible says, you know, we need to be loving God because he loved us first. Like, okay, all right, that, that sounds reasonable. That sounds fair. You know, and Jesus summed it up. He said, you know, what's the greatest? Because the Old Testament is full of commandments. Oh, my goodness. I am glad I didn't live back then trying to keep up with all these sacrificial laws and purity laws. It had been too much for me. Jesus said, I'm going to make it easy for you. He said, love God, love your neighbor. That captures the whole thing. All 39 books of that Old Testament book. Love God, love your neighbor. Okay, that helps, but it's still not easy to do. Because he's also asking because that love is demonstrated by forgiveness. Forgiving people. And back to my ancestors again. That faith I was talking about, that was forgiveness. I mean, slavery ends, right? And you're still down south. And you're looking at the person that sold off your child, and you, you don't know where your child is. You're looking at the person that had done awful things to your family, awful things. I mean, treated you with no dignity. Made, matter of fact, if you tried to have some dignity, would make sure they robbed you of it and make sure you knew it. And then for, now slavery ends, and they forgave, did not seek revenge, did not seek vengeance. The only thing they ever sought was some land that they could live on. Oh, my goodness. That's forgiveness. And that's what we're called to, and that's what I struggle with. 
It's hard. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. It's right, though, but it's hard. But I remember that I've been forgiven for a whole bunch of stuff. A whole bunch of, matter of fact, stuff I'm still struggling with. You know, I think about how gracious this God has been in forgiving me. I think about other people that have forgiven me when I ain't been so lovable sometimes. You know, so this is a high and hard but worthwhile calling. It's worth it. It really is. Because, you know, forgiveness is good for them, and, of course, it's good for me, too, instead of carrying all that around. You know, you, you kind of like you deserve to carry it around, you, you know, because somebody did this. And, and, and if you want to do the math that way, I guess you could say that. But at the same time, at the end of the day, it's not good for me to do that. And, you know, and also in addition to that, this Bible tells us to confess our sins, our wrongdoings to one another. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> keep my secrets. Can I? No, you can't keep your secrets. You know, if we're going to be brothers and sisters, we're going to love each other, we're going to care about each other, we got to be willing to be transparent with one another. Not so easy, difficult. And you know the thing about it that might be the most difficult part of confessing our wrongdoings to other people is examining ourselves and seeing those wrongdoings. That self-examination, because I'm telling you, I have peeled back the onion on me. And it's ugly sometimes. It's, it's, I'm embarrassed, if I was going to be honest about it. It's really probably the best word for it sometimes. I'm embarrassed by some of the things I've believed, some of the things I've done, you know, my little secrets, you know. So I don't always do so well with confessing. I don't always do so well with forgiving, you know. But those are the things that I've been called to do and we've been called to do. You know, so I have, I'm sharing with you these things to do. And yet at the same time, I haven't done them so well. Talking about believing in that God, sometimes things get hard and I start doubting and wondering about, you know, that's not just, that wouldn't be right. God wouldn't let that, you know, those kind of things. I've struggled with those things, but that's, it's what I'm called to do. You know, I've, I struggle with accepting, you know, like racism and embracing even, like I said, I was talking about being ashamed of, being, of, of folks that were slaves, ashamed of, uh, I was ashamed of, of People of Africa, that I came from those people. Now, what kind of stuff is that? You know, I had normalized, I had become the racist. That's crazy, but it was true. That's how powerful this culture drives this thing into us. Uh, I've minimalized the fact that Jesus came and showed the way and made a way. I've kind of minimalized that. I talk about really not believing the significance of those things. Sometimes they lose significance in my mind. You can look at the way I'm living and say, you know what, you act like you don't believe nothing sometimes. Yeah, sorry, let me work on that. Um, I haven't forgiven, I haven't loved, I haven't confessed, and yet I still believe that God's way is the way, a way that's beyond our moral capabilities. Because he asked us to reach beyond, he's asking me to reach beyond what I think I can do. But I will struggle with it, and I'll keep going. I hope that you'll be gracious toward me you know, as he has been gracious to me. And then in response, I want to be gracious to you as well. Thank you very much for your time.